I think that the vast majority of people just go through life, um, you know, taking that grocery bag or going to uh, the coffee shop and getting a disposable thing every day. Um, and so just, just being thoughtful and just thinking about how, how we live in this world. And yeah, we're one person, but I'm the only person that I can control fully. So I'm going to make decisions that, uh, that feel right to me. Um, so, you know, if I'm out on a hike and there's trash on the ground, I'll pick it up. And that makes me feel good. to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey, Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast listeners, welcome back. Today's episode is brought to you by Champion System Custom Cycling, Running, and Triathlon Apparel. Their website is champ sis.com c-h-a-m-p-s-y-s.com why do i love champion system and why is it the cycling and triathlon gear that i use well for starters the chamois in the shorts are amazing i wore my champion system bibs for the dirty kanza back in june that's right 206 miles and about 16 hours in the saddle and i didn't have a single issue in addition their gear is really really awesome it's lightweight zippers are great seams are great as I mentioned, the chamois is great. I love their cycling gear, but also their triathlon and their running gear. And I've worked with them for several different custom kits that I've designed. Their art department is really, really easy to work with. And their production time frame is actually among the shortest in the industry. It's about four to six weeks from design submission until your goodies are on your doorstep. Not only that, but the folks behind Champion System are some of the people that have been with me since the beginning of my cycling career, and they are based in my home state of Nebraska. So you are in good hands if you do your business with Champion System. I can't recommend them enough. Visit their website at champ-sys.com and tell them that Megan at Maximum Enthusiasm sent you. Today's show is a good one. It is with my friend Stu of Relish Studio, the brains behind the editing of this very podcast, and I was so excited to host him on the front side of the mic as my guest for the show. Stu and I go back several years. We both belong to a group called EO, Entrepreneurs Organization and the Accelerator Program, and we had opportunities to share the trials and tribulations of being entrepreneurs and business owners and I got to witness firsthand as Stu went through sort of a, a rebirth with his company a couple years ago in which he decided very purposefully and intentionally to align his personal ethos with his professional ethos instead of trying to keep them separate and trying to wear two hats. He decided to merge his love of the environment and sustainability and outdoor enthusiasm, recreation with the branding for his company. And I think it's just fantastic how he has brought those personal goals and missions into his corporate approach. He obviously selectively 
theoretically at least, selectively chooses the clients that align with him in terms of these personal missions. But even if he has a client who hires him who is perhaps not all fired up about the environment, Stu knows that with every job he takes and every dollar he earns, a percentage of his income is going to go to those causes that he cares so deeply about. And you'll hear him talk about how much that has added a skip to his step and has really prompted a reigniting of his passion for his work. He has been a serial entrepreneur for many years, working as a consultant in the creative space, and then he and his business partner have now owned Relish Studios for a decade. I just adore Stu. He's a vegan. He's a mountain bike rider. He's a ultra runner. He's laid back. You can hear it in his voice. He is just a absolute joy to be around, and he brings everyone's heart rate in the room down with him in his chill demeanor, which is pretty great to be around. So uh, check this one out. It's a good one. And I hope that it finds you having an awesome day, maybe on the brink of a great weekend, maybe on the brink of a new passion or endeavor. Maybe you're about to start a new company. If you're looking for a sign, this is it. Go for it. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your support of the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast. Okay, so in the last time, just to forewarn you, the last time I did a podcast, I got super nervous for some reason. Oh, interesting. So just ignore me if that happens. I think that's going to make like, an even better I was recording. Like shivering, but sweating. And, what? And the guys were like, Are you cold? And I'm like, No, I'm okay. I'm nervous. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I wanted to do a really good job. So I'm wondering if telling you that beforehand will keep me from doing that. I'm. So. I'm sure that it will. I have we'll every see. confidence in you. <laughs> we'll see what happens. It was just, just funny. But if I start doing that, just ignore it. Okay. I'll just assume that you're cold. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to the podcast, Stu. Thank you for having me. Hopefully <laughs> we'll, yeah. And you're going to use all of that in the show, by the yeah, way, because sure. that was really that good. That was awesome. I like that. I know there's something interesting. I've noticed that with my guests who are really, you know, like public speaker types. And then all of a sudden I put a mic in front of them and they just get really bashful. And so... There's just something about this, but that's part of what's fun. We get out of our comfort zone too. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why that's why we push ourselves. Totally. Yeah. If it were easy, it wouldn't be fun. No. Well, and everyone be doing it. Well, right. but so anyway, here we are. So welcome to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast. Stu. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. It's my pleasure, and I have to tell our listeners, Stu is the one responsible for doing all the editing and production thus far on these podcasts. He's been a huge help as I've worked out my audio kinks. <laughs> well, it's and, been a blast. Uh, we're both learning a lot as we go, right, Stu? Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, Stu owns a company called Relish Studio. You can find out more information about them at the bottom of our website by clicking on their logo or visiting their website, relishstudio.com. It's a digital marketing agency, right, Stu? And tell me, what does that mean exactly? Well, that's a great question. It, it's an evolving thing, which is kind of one of the reasons why we do this. Is uh, one, of our, one of our main missions is to always be learning. And so we tend to... Um, tend to have a, a big shift in, in how things are, are happening in the digital space. So, you know, what started out as just, just websites has evolved and it, and it continues to evolve. And so um, what I like to say is that we serve um, leaders of purpose-driven companies um, who have typically done digital marketing themselves over the, over the years, but they really, they really are looking at how nuanced and complex it's become. And they also understand that they need to be spending their time working on their business and, and the things that they're best at. And so they're really looking for a partner to help fuel their growth through digital marketing and so that they can stay focused on the things that they, that, that they do 
most Just, effectively for the businesses. And uh, to your point about growth, the, uh, your services now include podcast editing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've been trying to do is just explore new new opportunities and just say yes to more things. All, you know, and, and so if somebody comes and says, hey, can you do this? And maybe it's not necessarily my wheelhouse. Um, obviously, if, if it's way outside of my wheelhouse, I'll let them know and just say, hey, I have some partners that you can work with on this. But, uh, but really, you know, first of all, I wanted to help you out. So I think what you're doing is super cool. Um, but also just wanted to, uh, to explore this new, new avenue of, of, of getting, getting out there and getting, getting people to explore new things in their lives. Well, and you're seeing that with, um, you know, company owners that in, run in our circles, even utilizing this as a, as a form of sharing their corporate messaging with their audience in a totally different way, right? Yeah, it's amazing. I and mean, podcasting in general has grown exponentially. I think it, what, five years ago, there were like eight podcasts or something <laughs> like that. And now there are 300,000 wow. or something. I don't, I don't remember the numbers. I heard it on a podcast the other day because um, they were one of the first eight and, um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's just going through the roof. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Well, thank you so much for Relish Studio and your help on getting these podcasts out to our listeners. And, uh, after some exploration this morning, I think we've got our audio far more dialed in. So I hope that that can bring some audio relief to our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully you get some good feedback. Yeah, on Absolutely. Well, Stu, one of the cool things about you and your business that you run, and we talk about this in our intros to the shows, is the fact that Relish Studio set out to intentionally align your personal values along the lines of environmental causes, sustainability, with your corporate message. And um, that's basically how you've started to run your business, right? Yeah, we um, we actually just celebrated our 10th year. Congratulations. I, it was funny. I figured that out last night. I was like, wait, we just we just passed our 10th year like three days ago and wow. we totally blew it in terms of like <laughs> paying attention to that. But I would say for our first eight years, uh, like a lot of companies, we, we just were doing the work and we were really just taking whatever came our way. Um, and, and at, at some point kind of in, in 2016, I believe I was struggling a little bit with, you know, with the why and, and trying to come up with, with, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I getting out of bed? And this doesn't seem like it's necessarily aligned with what I love and what I, um, you know, try and do in my own personal life. And I thought, hey, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I own this business. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of hassles that come along with that. And um, so why, why would I not make this the business that I want it to be? And so I really did some soul searching and thought, well, how can we how can we weave in some of these you know, personal ethos into our corporate ethos? And and one of the things that we came up with was um, joining One Percent for the Planet. Um, we joined COBO, which is the Colorado Colorado Outdoor Business Alliance, which is part of Conservation Colorado, um, and and really just started to to say you know as as business leaders and as business owners and small business owners we have this opportunity to to raise our voice and amplify what we're what we're talking about um, and and do some things that are beyond just making money and what i hear in my observation of you in your business is that that has brought a i mean tremendous increase in your sense of purpose and desire to fly out of bed and get to work in the morning 
Yeah, absolutely. And and even you know, we what we try to do is when we're going after clients or we're we're out hunting for new opportunities, we're really trying to align those with our with our ethos and with with uh, you know trying to find people that are doing more than just making money that are doing doing good while doing well. And um, with with our our one percent uh, partnership, um, it allows us to really have a formalized giving around the environment and so even if we have a client that maybe isn't exactly aligned with that particular approach we're, we're still giving some of that money back to environmental causes which i think has been just been really great for me to be able to to have that in the back of my mind that i, I just know that that's happening and what i saw from you because i've known you now for several years and i've had the really unique experience of getting to do some of this business exploration together in, in an entrepreneur group that we belong to I really saw you reach an epiphany where you said, why is my personal life over here look so different from my professional life over here? And to your point, I might as well just go work for someone else, clock in from eight to five, leave the bullshit at the office and come home if this job isn't going to be fulfilling and meaningful to me and the causes that I believe in. And so I saw you really pivot and make a very intentional point to start aligning business with personal. I see it on your Instagram feed. Um, I see the groups that you guys are involved with, the things that you're doing online. And so, you know, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that has meant for you just as you approach your daily work and your daily projects? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of talk about work-life balance. And I think that that that's great. And I think that that's something that people should really be aware of and and should, should be thoughtful about. However, there isn't really... A, a separation between work and life, particularly when you are a business owner. Um, you know, you're thinking about it all the time. You're you're up at midnight, like doing marketing or following up on emails or things like that. And so it, it is just part of it. It's all woven in. It's it's part of who who I am. And um, and so you know, really just having that be at the forefront of my mind and be able to, to say, you know, this is, this is what I'm trying to do and this is what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and this is how we're going to go about it has been, has been a really powerful for, for me. Um, yeah, like you said, it helps, helps you roll out of bed every morning and it helps you, um, you know, really target what, what you're doing and, and feel like, I feel like I'm coming to, to the office with, uh, with a renewed sense of, 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 energy and awesome. and, a, and a, a drive that's awesome yeah. Stu. that's really cool you know for our listeners some may or may not have control over their daily work grind maybe they do work for someone else so what i hear from you is that if you can weave in as you said some of that purpose and those greater life goals with your daily work it really can re-energize you even if you're not in a position to change your current situation um Will you tell our listeners a little bit more about 1% for the planet, what that actually means? And, and literally is 1% of all of your revenue automatically you know, put into that organization and what do they do with it? So 1% for the planet is a, um, it's a global movement. It's started by Yvonne Schnard at, at Patagonia, um, I believe. And uh, it was basically um, attempting to get businesses, originally businesses to... Um, to dedicate 1% of their top line revenue or their, their gross to environmental causes. And, um, there's a, you know, there's a yearly dues, I believe for 1%. Um, however, you get to pick among, 
a, a huge list of nonprofits who are all almost all in the, or I think they're all in the environmental space, um, to whom you can give give your your one percent. Um, they actually did roll out last year um, a uh, individual giving as well. So even if your company doesn't isn't a one percent uh, for the planet partner, you as an individual can can dedicate that and become part of that movement as well. And as I read some of their uh, website in preparation for today, it also looks like it doesn't have to be purely revenue or money. You can also dedicate a portion of that as volunteer hours or even just doing business or making purchases through some of their qualified partners, right? Yeah, it's actually amazing. They do a, I believe it's a 25% match if you if you run ads. So if you're going to run advertising anyway and you include something about environmental causes and 1% for the planet, mm-hmm. they'll actually let you... Um, dedicate 25% of that spend to your commitment. Um, you can do pro bono work up to a certain amount as well. That's so really we, cool. t- we tend to, um, to do at least a couple websites a year pro bono for environmental causes. We've done a lot of work in the water space and, um, and, uh, Netherland area trail organization.org is a, uh, is a site that we built as well. Um, is that the most recent project you just rolled out? No, the most recent project we rolled out uh, was steppingupstewardship.org, and it's part of the Volunteers for Colorado, which does a lot of amazing work. Uh, They do trail work um, all around Colorado, and they were trying to expand their mission outside of the state by um, taking all of this, all these resources that they built up over the years and and packaging packaging them together for uh, for people and organizations who are trying to to um, to manage a volunteer corps for wow. outdoor projects. And so you can go and, and tap into all these resources and actually um, purchase some of them. Some of them are free and some of them you can purchase online. That's really yeah, cool. It's really neat. Yeah. Okay. So we'll make sure that we include those links um, to these projects that you're mentioning and 1% for the planet on the website. Um, along those lines and, and switching gears just a little bit, you mentioned a lot of this personal work and exploration in 2016 that kind of led you to make this switch with your professional approach. Are there books or resources that have had an, a just really incredible impact on you that you would share? Well, there's one um, called The Surrender Experiment uh-huh, by uh-huh. Uh, Michael Singer, which was really great. Um, it not really uh, involved in the environmental component of, of, uh, of my growth, but certainly um, one of the reasons I started editing this podcast was just to say yes to stuff and just have, you know, explore these new experiences. Um, this year... I've really been trying to uh, embrace mediocrity in a lot of ways, wow. where in the past I've picked one activity. So I've run ultras and run marathons and bike raced and climbed really hard for a while. And, and um, usually I tend to get very immersed in that one activity to the exclusion of all others. And this year I really intentionally set out to say, you know what? I'm going to be just kind of mediocre at everything, but be able to do a whole bunch of a whole bunch of things. So I've been riding and running yep. and hiking and climbing and all of that stuff, um, skiing, um, but but less focused on one activity at a time. How has that made you feel overall? It's interesting. There are days where it's really rough because mm. I'm I'm very much slower than I used to be. And, and, and I don't have enough distance on it yet in terms of 
you know, like this time last year, I was, I was in pretty good marathon shape and, uh, and now I'm struggling to run eight minute miles where, you know, I was running, you know, 6.45s or something wow. like that at that point. You know, that was my marathon pace. But so you were only running at the time, pretty right? Pretty much, yeah. So I wasn't doing much of anything else. And I just realized that I was missing a lot of that stuff. Oh. And um, so I really wanted to just go back and, and understand, try to understand that it's okay to go a little bit more slowly than perhaps you used to and, and just enjoy being able to do a whole bunch of different things. And I would imagine, and from what I've seen on your social media posts, that means that those activities have actually included and involved other people now, which probably has an upside. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, we talk a lot about tribe as as one of the you know, four pillars of of an entrepreneur's kind of life, and there's business and and family and um, personal and tribe, and and yeah, when you're when you're out banging out miles particularly for ultra training, you know, you're just out in the woods by yourself running around for seven or eight hours a day. And it's, um, very isolating. Yeah. Which is, which is also good. I, I think that exploring all of those things is, is fantastic. And, but, but yeah, it's been really cool to reconnect with, particularly with, uh, with kind of my riding crew, um, and getting out and, and, uh, and, and doing some things with a, with a, a really cool group of people from time to time. It's been awesome. And for our listeners who can't see you, but I can, you know, there's a a glimmer in your eye as you're saying these things, which makes me very happy. I can understand exactly what you're talking about because the entrepreneurial life can be isolating. You can certainly start to feel like an island, particularly if you're surrounded by friends and family who aren't business owners. Yeah, for sure. Um, And, and, you know, and that's another thing that I think I would encourage people who are in that entrepreneurial, you know, on that track to really try to engage with groups. Um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to, uh, to spend a lot of time with, uh, with the accelerator program, which is part of the entrepreneur entrepreneurs organization or EO, mm-hmm. um, gotten a ton out of that. And as well as now I'm in a, a group called Ascender, as well as E2. And, um, and all of those allow you, to, you know, a lot of times I think we, we start to feel like we are an Island and we're, and, and we're the only ones struggling through these, these challenges, but pretty much everyone goes through the same cycles and the same challenges. And so being able to, um, to have those kinds of peer groups has been fantastic. You know, one of our listeners posted a question on Instagram that, um, that I want to post to you because I think it's really appropriate here. And he asked, what is a personal or professional setback that you've experienced recently and how did you overcome it? And, and I suspect that you would have a pretty good answer to that to wow. put you totally on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, you know, setbacks happen. And, and if you think, if one thinks they're going to be able to, to, to go through life without setbacks, then first of all, you're either not pushing yourself hard enough. Right. Or um, you're delusional. You're delus- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because they're going to happen. You need to... Uh, need to understand that and you need to, to get better at, at just managing them. And, and so, um, you know, there's a, I believe it's a Thomas Edison quote and I'm going to screw it all up, but it, it, it wasn't, I didn't make, I didn't fail a thousand times. I just found a thousand ways to not succeed. Make a light bulb. Not make, make a light bulb, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, I totally botched that, but, but no. really, um, you know, the, the other thing, and I posted this to Instagram, not too long ago is I, I've 
just ate it on my bike last week. And, you know, it's like sometimes you fall down and you just get back up and brush yourself off and figure out what to change and then, you know, go nail that line differently the next time. And so it's all about learning and growth and, and, um, not being afraid to fail. Yeah. Yeah. You, you need to fail. If you're not, if you're not failing, you know, it's like the old skiing idiom is like, if you're not falling down once in a while, then you're not going hard enough. And, right. and you know, you fall down. Right. It happens. And I think you and I both subscribe to the, um, we're really not afraid of failure. And also, you know, sometimes something is better than nothing. So press go, even if the answer is not fully clear to you, at least, you know, move past the analysis paralysis and get some momentum behind you. Um, but what I also hear and see you saying too, is that I feel like you manage your stress really well, just having known you for the last few years. There seems to be an exercise component to that. There seems to be a home and a family component to that. But overall, you're just so like even keel and you're, I mean, you like bring people's heart rates down to be in a room with you. You're so chill. So where does that come from? <laughs> That's a great question. Well, I have a lot of support at home. I mean, my wife is awesome. We've been married for 28 years. Congratulations. Now. 27. So, um, so That's she's huge. just wonderful. And she's been, you know, supportive through all my idiocy through, through the years. I mean, really stood by me while I was, while I was training for Leadville twice and, and, uh, you know, was not home a lot while I was doing that. And she was just like my, my support and my chef and wow. all of that. And, uh, and so she's, she's amazing. So that helps me, uh, be able to be pretty even keel and then just, just rolling with it, you know, setbacks happen. It's like, you know, it's like this morning I was trying to get some work done on my car right. and they screwed it up and it's like, well, you know, you can either get furious about that and, and freak out about it all day long, or you can Roll say, okay, it. well, nothing you know, getting, getting pissed off about it isn't going to fix it. So you, know, you might as well just kind of move on and figure out a, a new, what's the next plan? You know, okay, that didn't work. What's next? And you say it like, you know, duh, Megan, that's how you do it. <laughs> but then of course we all know people who come completely unhinged. And so then my next question for you is, you know, growing up as a, as a young man in high school and college and stuff, you know, has this always been how Stu is? Is are you just the even keel guy? And if so, to what do you attribute that? Well, I would say I probably have not been. I feel like the personal growth I've actually been able to make in this space over the last few years has been has been great. And I wish I'd figured this out earlier. And I think that almost everyone who gets to a certain age looks back and is like, "Well, you know, why did you spend?" you know, 25 years being an idiot. And it's like, well, it's because you were 25 years old and right. that's, how, right. that's how you roll, right? You right. have to get that distance or you have to get that mileage to, to really understand what, uh, you know, how to, how to handle stress and how to handle things. And I certainly, you know, I would totally admit that I have not done a great job in the past all the time, but you know, again, uh, I can't help, I can't affect the past and I can't affect the future. I can affect right now. Yeah. And so usually, you know, usually when uh, when I feel myself getting upset or things are flaring up, I really just go, oh, okay, well, what can you do about this right now? And you do that. And if the answer is nothing, you can't do anything about it, then yep. just chill out. Yep. <laughs> Control just your chill. controllables, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Letting go of what of what you can't uh, can't affect is has been really uh, amazing for me. I actually, um, well. 
as you might imagine, the current political climate is infuriating. And so I have started to distance myself from a lot of it just because it's not something I can control. And so I really look at it and I say, well, is this something that I can affect? If so, you know, I'll call my congressperson or, um, you know, go to a protest or something like that. But, um, but ultimately, you know, letting go of those things that, that I have no control over is, has been really, really helpful for me. Well, and one of the things I really respect about you, Stu, and I got to see this over the course of three years of monthly meetings with you, is that with respect to the things you can control, you very much do. So for example, when we're eating lunch and everyone there is using plastic or styrofoam plates, you are going to get a, a glass or ceramic plate. I don't see you using plastic. It's rare that I see you with paper. You type almost everything. Um, I mean, your environmental you know, pursuit is, is you know, unrelenting and just without compromise, which I really, really respect. And I guess you know, to that end, I would love it if you would share just a few things with our listeners that you think each of us as individuals who sometimes it feels like, you know, gosh, am I even making a difference when I ride my bike instead of drive my car, for mm-hmm. example? Are there a few things that you think if people just started doing a little bit differently would have a huge impact on this environment that we're trying to save? Yeah, I really, I, I think that the first thing is just to be aware. Um, I think that the vast majority of people just go through life, um, you know, taking that grocery bag or going to uh, the coffee shop and getting a disposable thing every day. Um, and so just, just being thoughtful and just thinking about how, how we live in this world. And yeah, we're one person, but I'm the only person that I can control yeah. fully. So I'm going to make decisions that, uh, that feel right to me. Um, so, you know, if I'm out on a hike and there's trash on the ground, I'll pick it up. And that makes me feel good. And I, you know, if I go to a meeting and everybody has grabbed a water bottle and, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to drink out of a glass as opposed to yep. using something disposable. And I'm going to take all of those water bottles home and recycle them, even though, you know, there's a little bit of a weirdness about is recycling really going to, is that right. working right now? Right. But, um, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to do those things. I made a conscious choice in um, the early 90s to become a vegan mm-hmm. um, and have been a vegan since. Um, I've eaten a few bugs. <laughs> on uh, bike rides. <laughs> bike rides and running, <laughs> <laughs> but unintentionally. Um, but, but ultimately, you know, I think anyone can get in the weeds with, with stuff. But, sure. But if we could all cut down our consumption, our, consumption, our disposable consumption in particular, um, if we could all, you know, take one meal a week to not eat meat, that is certainly helpful for the environment. If you want to expand that, then I would highly encourage that as well. But, um, you know, I don't like people telling me what to eat, so I'm not going to tell sure. them what to eat. But, um, but those are the kinds of things that I think matter. And then uh, this year, if I could say one thing is, is vote. Um, you know, we have, we have opportunities every couple years to, to make our voices known. And I think that it can be a little discouraging. Um, and I hear a lot of, you know, both parties are the same, but I, I firmly believe that that's not the case. Um, and I think that we do have a, an opportunity and a responsibility to, uh, 
to take that opportunity to, to vote. Yep. And so, um, you know, if you, if you like what's going on, then vote. vote, go ahead and vote. And if you don't like what's going on, please go vote. vote. Um, you know, we have one environment and, yeah. um, and one planet, the planet's going to be fine. Like it's, it's going to be, us. it's going to be here <laughs> no matter what. But, uh, but we do have an opportunity to make a, a difference and, um, uh, you know, ultimately is it habitable? And so in addition to our vote, one of the other things we can do to um, have our voices heard is choose where we spend our money and let our dollars count, right? And so because you are so aware in this space, um, not that we're necessarily making corporate pitches per se, but are there a few brands who are firmly behind, you know, you mentioned Patagonia earlier. Are there a few brands that you recommend that if someone has two choices, um, are there two or three brands that you would suggest that we try to spend our dollars with? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I, I think, you know, I've mentioned Patagonia, and I, I certainly believe uh, that they're doing some, some great things. There's some things that I wish that they would do a little differently, but ultimately I think that they are um, on the right track. I would say the first thing is to really start to question whether or not you do need that thing um, and, you know, make that decision first. Um, you know, can you buy something used versus new? Yeah. That's certainly helpful. Um and then just really doing doing a little bit of research and trying to align your purchases with with your own personal uh, beliefs and and structure there. Um, you know, I think if you go to one percent for the planet dot org, I think um, mm-hmm. they have a list of of companies that are one percent uh, partners or or nonprofits and. Um, and so I would start there yeah. if there's something that, that you need. Yeah. But just be thoughtful. I mean, I think in this, in this era of, of, of massive consolidation, it's, it's a little tough. Um, you know, you have a company like Whole Foods being bought by Amazon, yeah. being bought by whoever else. And right. just like, you know, it's just there's this huge consolidation. I mean, even some of the smaller brands that were once, you know, privately owned and, and local have, uh, have, have been gobbled up. Um, but I think, I think shopping less, shopping locally is, is, is good too. I mean, I, I really do see, um, small business owners out there struggling. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, I try to, uh, I try to go to a local coffee shop instead of going to Starbucks, totally. for example. Totally. Not that there's anything horrible about Starbucks necessarily, although there sort of is, but. They're um, just a chain. They're but, not the local yeah, guy. Yeah. But, but certainly, you know, if you have you have the opportunity to do something for somebody it may maybe it costs a little bit more but you know you're supporting a local business and I think yeah. that that's super important so you and I eat sleep and breathe the entrepreneurial Kool-Aid uh, and you know I've had this feedback from a few of our listeners where they are feeling the pull to start their own business but they they currently are in a you know typical sort of secure situation with an employer taking care of payroll and benefits and yet there's that call or that pull to start their own uh, endeavor. And it's, it's, a, it's a move that takes a lot of courage, as you and I know, and there are zero guarantees. And we do wake up in the middle of the night more often than I care to admit. Um, you know, I've, I've borrowed from savings numerous times to make payroll, and, and I know that that's the same across the board for business owners. So um, you've been doing it for 10 years now. What advice would you give a listener if they're thinking they, they might want to start their own business, but there's definitely some trepidation there? Well, I, I think I think my biggest uh, advice is to just go for it. 
Um, you know, we all have kind of one life to live. And if you have this pull to do this type of thing, then, then explore that. Um, employment opportunities are always going to be there, mm-hmm. um, and particularly if you're employable. Um, and so, you know, if you go explore an entrepreneurial kind of bent and, and go do that for, for even a few years, um, you know, you can always go back to, sure. to the workforce. Sure. Um, you know, that being said, go into it with, with the understanding that it is, it's hard, you know? And, and I think that a lot of us fail to appreciate that it's hard and also fail to, to really think about that. Um, you know, I kind of, I mean, I've been a freelance, I'd, I'd, I'd done freelance work for years, um, which is just kind of comes with the territory when you're, are, um, in the creative space, you can, sure. you can moonlight essentially. Um, and it, I probably could have made the entrepreneurial leap a lot, a lot sooner than I did. Um, and it really took, it took me becoming a manager in in that capacity and really starting to see to to get a good feel for how um, how business big business worked for me to really say well I think I can actually do this uh-huh. and um, and I was I was running a division of a company that they then they shut shut it down and at that point I was like you know I, I got this I don't I don't want to go get another job um, you know I want to be my own boss I want to I want to wear t-shirts to work right. and, and have long hair and, yeah. and, you know, not go in if it's snowy and work from home or, or just have that flexibility. Yep. And so there's a lot of freedom that comes with being an entrepreneur, but there's also a lot of challenges. There are a lot of challenges. For sure. So. But it sounds like you would say it's worth it. It's always worth the try at least. Yeah. I mean, I, this is actually my, I, I haven't had a job job since 2007. That's awesome. Um, and so, you know, I've been my own boss and it's had ups and downs and challenges sure. and heartache and hardship and, but there's so many rewards and there's so, there is so much freedom and you are in, I mean, you are as an entrepreneur and this was, this comes back to what we were talking about earlier. You're in complete yeah. control of your entire, your entire system. And so you make the rules and yep. if you want dogs at work, go for it. If you don't, then that's fine too. Yep. And you, you're in control. And, and I think that a lot of entrepreneurs fall into the trap of thinking they have to do things a certain way because that's how it's done. And you don't have to do things no. a certain way. You can actually, you can actually make your own rules. Totally. Which is the space that you and I thrive in. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. yeah. And, and no question, there is a societal pressure that you have to work so many hours and you have to be at your office from, you know, eight to five or whatever. And, and like you, I started to question that and thought, if I'm going to play by the old school rules, I may as well work for someone else and offload some of the stress. Um, but I think you would agree with me that we still, despite that acknowledgement that we are in control, we still sort of have to fight for doing things our way almost every day because society's kind of pushing us back into that channel, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> And, and so you have to make, you have to understand that if you want to be open two days of, or two hours a week, that there are going to be some, sure. some compromises with that. Sure. But, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, you can go, you know, I'm working way more than 40 hours a week mm-hmm. most weeks. Um, 
But you get to spread but, it out when you yeah, want to put but, it. But I can go for a four-hour bike ride in the middle of the day on some days if I don't yep. have any other obligations and then work till 10. Exactly. So, um, and, and that was one thing that I did find early on in being creative was sometimes you just can't flip the switch on that. And sometimes you just have to... Step away. Yeah, you just have to go do something else. Yeah. And then the creativity comes at a different time. And so you, you do end up working some interesting hours. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think that that's one challenge with, with, uh, with that whole nine to five mindset, particularly if you're trying to tap into that creativity. Yeah, no one can, I mean, I'm not creative, but I am writing briefs and doing research. No one can be productive at their desk from eight to five. It just goes to shit at some point. And I often say aloud, I wonder how much corporate America would benefit from freeing its employees to work when they're productive and step away and go recreate or rest, frankly, when they're not. And of course, some people would abuse that system, but I just suspect that, that we would find that people operate at different times of day at their maximum potential. And you and I at least have the opportunity to do that. Um, all right, Stu, well, I'm going to wrap this up. So, of course, the closing question is always, you know, what do you want to be remembered by? What is the mark that Stu has left on this earth on the day that you breathe your last? Um, honestly, it's mostly that I gave more than I took. Ooh, that's awesome. Um, and then the second part would be that I, that I went for it. And right so on. if... Uh, if people remember me in those ways, then, then I think that that would be fantastic. Well, and of course, you will have saved the environment, too. Well, we're working on that. Yes, indeed. Yeah, working on it. Indeed. Oh, Stu, it was such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much, and thanks again for all your help on this podcast. Oh, anytime. Thanks for having me on. It was great. All right, listeners, one more time. The website is relishstudio.com. You can find out more about Stu there, and we will include those links that we mentioned earlier on the website. Until next time. Have a great day and live a life of maximum enthusiasm. Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hopman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.